The following BLTV program is brought to you by O'Flaherty Law. Please enjoy. Greetings of the day, my fellow listeners, and welcome to another edition of Seize Your Business, an affiliation of the Naperville Business Lounge and the Business Lounge Television Network. Uh, I'm delighted to have you join us again for another edition, and it's my pleasure to have a fellow Transworld Business Advisor owner, Larry Swanson, of the Downers Grove office. But before we get into him, let me tell, me, tell you a little bit more about me. I own the Transworld Business Advisors Naperville office. Uh, we are just to the west of you. Are we west of you, Larry? Yes, We're next you are. Yeah. yeah. But in any event, Transworld Business Advisors is the largest business brokerage in the world. It is also the fastest growing business brokerage in the world. And we are a global business brokerage. We help qualify, we help buyers I'm sorry, we help sellers confidentially sell their businesses and massively qualified buyers. We also do franchise sales on top of that as well. And it's my delight, as I said before, to have Larry Swanson with us. He owns the, uh, the uh, store, so to speak, to the uh, east in Downers Grove. Larry, thank you so much for joining us. Welcome to the show. I'm happy to be here, Steve. Uh, it's always good to talk to you. It always is, yes. Um, we're going to do a little bit of your background here. You've been a Transworld Business Advisor owner since when? Since uh, 2017. That's right, when so I not, started, you're so. in your fourth year. So, uh, yeah. and I'm, I'm sure you've interacted with quite a few buyers and quite a few sellers. I'm sure you'll have some best practices to share with us in a moment. But prior to 2017, tell us a little bit about your professional background and how it led up to you buying your Transworld Business Advisor franchise. Okay, uh, I think like you, I've been in the corporate world for many, many years, 30 plus years. I worked uh, in a variety of roles, primarily for a real estate development company owned by Sam Zell. Um, I worked in the shopping center company. I ran the leasing department. So I read more leases probably than anybody on the planet. Um, also was in their uh, finance and mergers and acquisitions for their office building company and their residential property company. Uh, so it was nice. I had a wide variety of roles there. Um, I'm a CPA. So uh, also, uh, you know, ran an accounting department for a couple of their companies. Um, I was a CIO of a couple of companies, um, have a good, strong technology background, a CFO for a, a online lending company. Uh, so a variety of different corporate jobs, but mostly in the finance and uh, acquisition side. So uh, once I started looking for something for myself, um, Transworld was just a perfect fit for me. And my background really uh, lended itself to this type of a business. Sounds like it did. You had a lot of variety of roles in the executive uh, corporate world that I think really assists what you and I do to help uh, business owners sell and uh, get the qualified buyers to the table. So um, you probably have interacted with hundreds of sellers, not to say you got everyone listed, but you've interacted with uh, quite a few and uh, you've actually interviewed quite a few buyers. What would you see are the, uh, what, what would you say are the best practices with your selling clients that gets them ready to sell? What would you say are like two or three key things that, need to be in place for them to be ready to go to market? Um, you know, I think uh, I, I wish more sellers followed 
the key practices. I mean, that's generally the challenge that we have is um, having sellers that are prepared to sell their business. Quite often, they've never done any exit planning, never done any exit strategy uh, efforts, and they're not really ready to sell their business. Uh, the ones that are, and the most important aspects of that are, you know, you got to have good books and records. Your tax returns have to be in good shape. Your P&Ls and your balance sheets need to be uh, up to date and current, um, particularly in this COVID timeframe, you need to be able to produce monthly financial statements. The, all the lenders want to see monthly financial statements now. They want to compare, you know, how's 2019 to 2020, how's 2021 doing to 2020. So if your finances aren't up to date, you can't produce monthly financials. It's very difficult to move forward with uh, buyers, particularly those that need financing because lenders are requiring it. So, um, you know, that's a big aspect of it. it uh, do you have good books and records? And, and then, you know, what's the business history been? Do you have good trends? I mean, if your business is tanking, it's very difficult to market that as, you know, a business with a lot of opportunities. Um, so, you know, if you did your exit planning, you'd know that the, the last year, two years before you want to sell your business are the two years you need to work the hardest to get the best results you can. You really want to have an upward swing in sales. Um, you want your expenses under control. You don't want any surprises that a buyer is going to have to deal with. So um, those are the best things that a, a seller can do. Um, you know, having a reasonable reason for selling the business, so you're retiring, or you've got, you know, some other fabulous opportunity or, you know, something other than, well, I'm just sick and tired of my business. You know, that's not what you want to tell buyers. Um, and generally, you know, you, you can coach the sellers with better stories, but, um, you know, if they're really prepared to sell, then it's much easier to move forward marketing their business and attracting buyers and, um, you know, having just more successful transactions in a shorter amount of time. I think what sellers don't realize is, you know, typically can take 30 days or more to get your business ready to be listed and marketed. And after that point, it could be a year or more uh, to sell your businesses. As, as you know, you know, a year is the average time. Um, I sold a business last week that I've been working on for over two years. So, you know, that's not, you know, an unheard of thing. And um, when you realize that only 20% of all businesses sell, uh, you can understand that, you know, you don't want to think about selling your business when you got three months left on your lease or when you need to move out of state in two months. So having sellers that understand those things is really the key thing to finding, um, you know, transactions that you can successfully complete. So Larry, in your four years of experience, are there any industries or are there any size ranges of the type of selling clients that you either target or have that seem to work out better than others? I mean, is there, what would be your ideal client, I would guess? Uh, well, I think the bigger, the better. We want to always uh, have businesses that have, uh, you know, significant um, assets and uh, uh, transactions 
uh, in their business. Uh, It's a risk factor. You know, the bigger the business, the lower the risk, the easier it is to sell. Uh, Small businesses are tough to sell because the risk is so high. You know, if you're buying a business with $100,000 in sales, you know, if you lose a couple of clients, you could be, you know, underwater. So the better businesses are the bigger businesses. Um, so other, if McDonald's called you up, would you take them on and try to sell them or is that a little too big? What would you say your size range would be? Um, well, I, I don't really think I have a limit right now. I've done very big deals in the corporate world, billion dollar deals. Uh, I was involved in the, uh, the $56 billion office building uh, sale that uh, Sam Zell did back in 2008. So, um, you know, I'm pretty familiar with everything it takes to do massive deals. Um, but, you know, I think my target would be, you know, 10 million and under is probably my sweet spot. Yeah, that seems to be the case. But to your point, um, both you and I have been involved in multi-billion dollar transactions. Would you say that essentially the basic tenets of what you need to do to go from offer to close are somewhat the same? There's a procedure you have to follow and you got to be prepared for that. Is that right? Uh, yeah, I think the process is the same. The level of, of involvement of people is very different. So in a billion dollar deal, there's going to be 10 lawyers on each side. There's going to be uh, CFOs on both sides. There's going to be all kinds of other business executives involved. So it takes um, longer to get everybody, you know, fully informed and on the same page and all of the T's crossed and the I's dotted. Um, The one big difference is there's generally not as much emotional um, energy in the deal. When you're dealing with a billion dollar sale, you know, it's just a business deal for all those people. When you're dealing with somebody's personal business, I mean, it's their life's work. It's their pride and joy. It's, It's very emotional for them. And for the buyers, it's their, you know, a lot of times it's their first foray into uh, business ownership and they're nervous and they're uh, concerned and they have all kinds of uh, hesitancies. And uh, a lot of times, you know, they don't have advisors that are really um, effective advisors. And so we have to deal with maybe some accountants that don't understand business transactions or family members who don't understand the value of uh, a business that they're working on. So uh, the, the real difference to me is the personal emotions that are involved. And, um, uh, you know, that's good because it's, uh, it makes it uh, more meaningful for them and for me, um, but it's bad because it's also a challenge. I think to your point, I mean, kiddingly in the more recent time frame. When I describe the process of selling a business, I say it's 25% financial, 25% operational, and 99.9% emotional. Now, I know that adds up to more than 100%, but uh, during the course of the whole process, that emotion is really, really a big factor, particularly if you've owned a small business for a number of years, let's say 10, 20 years, right? That's a little difficult. Uh, separation, if you will. So I think we have to learn how to deal with that a little bit too, right? Yeah. Um, it's, and, you know, at every phase in the process, 
um, I've got a deal now that I'm, I'm working on and it's all approved and the bank has said they're good to go. Um, but, uh, you know, the closing date is not till April 15th. Um, but there's no reason to wait that long and the seller really wants to get out and the buyers really aren't in a hurry. So I've got to calm down my seller who doesn't understand why they are waiting and I got to push my buyers to try and move this up. So, you know, they have different agendas and you've got to compete with the different sides and, and, and try and manage that uh, landmine field uh, as successfully as you can. You know, to that point too, Larry, I think when we talk about emotions and we talk about the interrelationships of the parties involved, you know, you talk about the, the buyer and the seller. You got a landlord and you got the, uh, the lawyers involved there. I mean, we have to control all of that. I mean, there are a lot of things going on. Like, for example, one of the questions I get asked, you probably do too. What's your relationship like with the landlord? What are the lease provisions? There's so much more to selling a business than just giving the keys, taking money and have them drive to the next level, right? There's so much you got to be prepared for. Isn't that right, Larry? Yeah, there's a lot of other parties that can be involved um, and they they can kill deals. Um, I, I had a deal recently where the seller's lawyer was just impossible to deal with. She had um, seemingly a goal to kill the deal and it took a lot of effort, a lot of going back and forth um, and she wouldn't even cooperate with the lender. So uh, lawyers can be a challenge. And I've had other lawyers who are great, understand it, do a great job on it. It's just uh, each one's a different situation. And that's kind of what makes this an interesting job is it's never the same. No deal is the same. No process is the same. Uh, and you have to uh, adjust every time to the conditions of what you're dealing with. I totally agree with you on that. And, and to that point a little bit too, I would say, Larry, that effective communication among the parties is critical. Uh, even before you get a letter of intent, even before you start working on the purchase document, I think you need to, you need to set the table, at least from the selling clients that you and I most frequently represent of what could happen down the road. So it's not a surprise. Are you, do you agree with that? Yeah, and that's something that I struggle with and the company, you know, my company struggles with all the time is uh, it takes a lot of time and effort to keep everybody uh, as informed as they want to be uh, when you're, you know, running several deals at one time and you're doing marketing and you're doing uh, all kinds of other things. So uh, communication is critical, but very difficult to for at least it has been to uh, keep everybody current and, and understanding what's going on. Right. Let's, uh, let's go to the other side of the table. You've dealt with probably more buyers than you have selling clients. Um, and if you're like the way I do my practice, you try to prepare the seller for what would be the anticipated buyer questions. Are there things that come up from buyers that you, know, you always remind the seller even in advance before the buyer comes there? What have you learned from buyers that have assisted you in dealing with your selling clients. Can you maybe highlight one or two of those for us? Um, well, uh, you know, you have a wide range of 
of buyers and their uh, professionalism and skill levels. And I think you have to adjust the way you operate to, to fit what that buyer um, um, operates at. So I've had buyers that just uh, don't like doing letters of intent. And they just want to fill out an email and say, here's my offer, present it to them. Well, there's obviously a lot of, of details that you need to fill out in an offer in order for a seller to really move forward with it. And so going through with those type of buyers that, you know, we got this question, we got that question. Um, usually you have to kind of hold their hand and guide them through the process. Um, whereas other buyers are very professional, have either a legal representation or have done acquisitions before and know exactly what they want and how to present it. So, um, you know, I think I've learned something from every buyer and every transaction we go through. Um, you know, sometimes uh, it, I really like that, what I've learned and I'll incorporate it, you know, in all of my deals going forward. Um, uh, you know, here's a simple example. Uh, uh, one of my um, uh, buyers had a, a presented a nice offer and my seller's attorney said they wanted to add a sentence to reference the non-disclosure agreement, which the non-disclosure agreement that we have is, is fairly strong. And it, it's, uh, it says within itself that it's, uh, uh, you know, binding and it's not uh, terminated based on, a, you know, an LOI. But they said they wanted a sentence in there just saying that the NDA agreement is still in force and effect after this LOI uh, is executed and even if it expires. So, you know, that's just an extra T to cross and an I to dot. And, and so I'm gonna make sure that all my future LOIs have um, that sentence in them that says the NDA is, remains in force and effect beyond this LOI. So every single deal, you learn something new from either the buyers or the sellers. and Sometimes uh, it's, it's worth incorporating in your activities going forward. And other times it's just particular to that deal. So, um, you know, that's why I, I feel like we just get better and better the longer we do this and the more deals we do. And we can service our buyers and sellers uh, even better as we, uh, you know, go down the road. Uh, there is probably a ton more of Q's and A's that I could uh, have us go through here, but basically it's a good relationship building, getting understanding of what the expectations are. That's critical to our, our success. But you and I both now have an opportunity to plug our respective trans world names. So when I opened the broadcast, I talked about us being the largest business brokerage, the fastest growing business brokerage. What I didn't share is that there are about 250 offices worldwide. There's about 600 Larry Swansons and Steve Eschbachs out there. And plus there are five of us in the greater Chicagoland office. Now we, as a general rule, not as, well, we, we've decided that we'd get together on a regular basis. Transworld has regional and national conferences. So my point being is that you're never just dealing with Larry. You're never just dealing with Steve. We have a whole group of people that we can rely on. So if there's a question we get asked and we don't know the answer, we have somewhere to go. Isn't that right, Larry? Oh, I think it's a, a tremendous strength that we have. And, you know, we have weekly meetings with all our trans world uh, team here in Illinois. And 
we uh, work together on uh, sharing buyers if we have opportunities that may fit them. Um, we can work with each other on uh, individual questions and challenges that we have. And I think that makes us much stronger as a team. I know I gain a lot of insight from working with you and talking with you and, and the other buyers in the area too. That's one of our, our biggest strong points is uh, it's not just me, it's me and all the other people, other agents and other owners in the uh, Northern Illinois area that we work together with and even outside the area. I mean, uh, I know we meet with the regional group uh, at least uh, once or twice a year and that includes you know, Illinois, Wisconsin, Indiana, Michigan, Ohio. And uh, so that Midwest team uh, works together and just makes us that much more effective for our buyers and sellers. Yeah, there's a benefit of us sharing our experiences with the other uh, colleagues that we have throughout the world. Primarily, there's a little bit of a difference in, in the upper Midwest than there is in Florida. However, we all build upon each other's experiences and knowledge and uh, to our benefit uh, and to our clients' benefit as well, both on the buy side and the sell side. Uh, I'm gonna throw some numbers out here just for the purposes of our audience. Transworld has sold 10,000 businesses or more since their 40 year inception back in 1979. Uh, we typically have thousands of listings throughout the system. I know Larry and I each have about a couple dozen each. Uh, the reason why I bring all this up is that we are a resource. So if you're a buyer and you're interested in buying any type of business. If you register with us, chances are there might be another opportunity in another nearby state that we can refer you to. Um, hold on one second. Okay. Uh, and also, it's just a resource for you to stay in touch with what's changing in the ever-changing marketplace out there. So with that, uh, anything else you wanted to add, Larry, before we close this? Just thank you for the opportunity to talk with you, Steve. It's always enjoyable. And, uh, you know, I... I just wish uh, the best of luck to all of us. Sounds good. And for those of you uh, in our audience, chances are you'll run into me. You'll run into Larry at, uh, at our open houses when they return back to the uh, so-called norm. We do hope that'll happen as COVID-19 gets behind us. And I thank you for your interest. There will be plenty more Seize Your Business uh, video casts down the road for us to learn best practices and uh, perhaps get an idea or two about referrals down the road. So thanks again for joining us. And uh, Larry, thank you. And uh, we hope to see you all on the next edition here of Seize Your Business. Thank you.